0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Hey everyone, it's Andy Bueller, high school sports reporter and a host of the Scorebook Live Today podcast. So the coronavirus has shut down schools and halted high school sports, but we're taking things up a notch in hopes to help during this time of great uncertainty. Each day, we're releasing a special episode of this podcast called Dickow's Quarantine Series, where our own Dan Dickow interviews an expert in their respective field, from coaches to trainers, authors to uh, former standout athletes. Subscribe to this podcast for free, and please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Let's keep everyone safe by washing your hands and following the Governor's stay-at-home mandate. We're just as excited for high school sports to return as you are. Here's Dan Dickow after a word from our sponsor. Are you a small business impacted by the coronavirus? Washington Federal is here to help. Washington Federal is a proud sponsor of Scorebook Live, and it's offering a five year business line of credit with 90 days' interest for free to businesses that have seen a 10% or greater drop. Apply now to receive up to $200,000 on business lines of credit. The folks at Washington Federal understand small businesses may need an emergency loan. They're doing their best to help during this global pandemic. If you're a small business owner who needs help, head to wafdbank.com to apply. Questions? Email business.lifeline at wafd.com.
2: Dan Dickow Scorebook Live, Washington, today with our quarantine series where we bring you a conversation, interview with someone in the sports field that is an expert, whether they're an athlete, a author, a coach, uh, a broadcaster. Today, a guest from uh, the Northwest Conference, one of the best Division III basketball conferences in all of college basketball at George Fox, a 1996 Fort Vancouver High School graduate, also won a state title for the Union Titans as a coach, Mako Hamilton. Mako, it's been a while since we've talked, but thanks for joining us today. How's everything going uh, in your neck of the woods?
0: Yeah, I appreciate you having me, Dan. It's going good, man. Like everybody else, just trying to figure out how to survive uh, with this virus. But it's been, there's a lot of blessings that come out of it, and it's, uh, it's been good to kind of re- just kind of recenter life and, and uh, be with the family and stuff, so I'm doing well.
2: You are, as a college head coach, you're kind of like the, the father figure to a lot of kids. Um, and when the news came down that uh, college basketball seasons are over, uh, I, I believe your season was already done because Division three was slightly ahead of the, the Division one with their playoffs. Um, but kids are curious, what's going on? How's school going to finish up? I'm sure they really looked to you for advice, and you were put in a position where you could be really a mentor, a father figure. Um, how did you share the message and how have you supported your players since?
0: Yeah, it was it was really uh unique for us. Um we were actually on the road doing some recruiting when this all went down. And so it was uh you know, it was and, and as you remember, I mean, that time everything was just happening so fast. It went from one step to the next to the next. And so essentially our kids were in the same boat. They were on campus in classes, doing what they normally do, and then all of a sudden, you know, news broke and then our our school went to, you know, step one and then they just kind of progressed. And so for me, it really wasn't, we didn't even have a chance to get together as a team and just kind of like have some closure. It was like kids were being asked to get on out of campus and get home. And so really it was about checking in with our guys individually, making sure that they were secure, uh, had ways to get home uh, because that was the big push of just getting them off campus and getting them back to their home areas um and our our school did a really good job and and our kids were were good I mean I think like you said we had finished our season so we're kind of at this point where we were in the middle of um you know just a little bit of downtime before we're going to pick up our spring workouts and so it kind of worked out good for us in that sense but um, I know for a lot of our guys too it was good to be able to get home and be with their families when this stuff was starting to really get serious.
2: You had a a nice high school career at fort vancouver before going on to play uh at eastern oregon uh many times that jump from a from a high school player to a college player can be eye-opening for for a lot of people uh what was your experience during that process simply because we have a lot of coaches uh, parents and student athletes that listen to this uh but many times depending or regardless of the level the player is going into college they think they're going to walk right in as a freshman and and play 25 minutes a game and quite frankly that's not the case at most levels what was your experience like and what would your advice be to kids making that transition
0: yeah that was no different for me um you know just being it going from high school uh to to the college level I mean there's so many so many variables that are unforeseen for kids um you know the reality of it is as you just said it doesn't matter what level you go to you go junior college division three on up to the highest levels of division one and they you're going to be playing against guys who are older stronger more experienced um and come from different places I think that's something that's unique as well I mean there's so many areas and styles of basketball around the country and And so for me, it was no different. It was eye-opening, just being able to play against older, stronger guys. Um, You know, you're in a new system, a new environment. I think those are a lot of variables that people don't factor in as well. As For a lot of these kids, this is the first time they've been away on their own. They don't have home-cooked meals. They don't know how to problem-solve, you know, when adversity hits. And so there's so many factors that play into what a student-athlete's success is going to look like beyond just what they're doing on the court. And so I think the biggest thing – is having perspective and having a growth mindset, you know, and, and I think for a lot of kids understanding that uh, it's not so much about where you go in terms of the level, it's really going to a place where you can be nurtured and grow and have people pour into you. And that to me is something that I found was very beneficial as a player. And then, and obviously now in the coaching world as well.
2: So I would imagine knowing you uh, back in our high school times, uh, because, played against each other in the GSHL, used to see each other at Green Meadows and different gyms around Vancouver all the time. You had a big passion for the game. Um, did you always feel that when you were done playing, you would get into coaching? And if so, what were those first opportunities as a coach uh, like? Yeah, to be honest, Dan, I
0: never had an ounce of desire to coach uh, as a player. Um, not all the way through my life. Um, You know, I've always had a love for the game. I've had a a very, you know, keen IQ for it and knack for it. Um, My my ultimate desires were to be a, to work in a front office of a professional organization. That's what I went to school to do. I loved, um, I just loved that process. Ever since I was a little kid, I would do my own mock drafts and I would do draft profiles on guys. Like that was something I was really big on. And so it wasn't until the, the tail end of my senior year of college when I was trying to figure out, okay, what's the next step now for me as I, as I move into the world. And my college coach at Eastern Oregon at the time connected me um, with a guy who that, that point was the general manager for the Atlanta Hawks. And I got a conversation with him about how do I get into this business? And he told me, um, and I'll never forget it. He said, you know, if you want to get into scouting or get into some entry level position in in a front office, that's great. But one of the things that you're going to have to have on your resume is that you know how to, work with players and how to put together a roster and he said the best way you can do that is through coaching and i never really thought about that and you know he had mentioned to me getting into college coaching how you know you get to really handpick your rosters you get to manage people and so that was kind of the the introductory thought in in terms of okay maybe this coaching thing is something i should pursue again not thinking that that would be a passion of mine so i went through the the process of looking at some graduate assistant positions Um, ultimately I came back home after I graduated college and found myself still looking. And a local high school coach, uh, you might remember Mike Cranston at from Mountain View High School, uh, gave me a call and said, "Hey, I you know make us. I heard you're in the area and and we need a, a coach for our freshman team. Would you want to do it?" And so I was like, "Yeah, let me just let me do this for a year while I'm still still trying to figure stuff out." And soon as I started doing that, I just fell in love with it. It was like, uh, it was just something that was right up my alley. I loved working with the kids. I loved coaching. I loved the, the scheme part of it. Um, and so then as I progressed through coaching, I really started to reflect on my own personal journey as a player and the coaches that I had who had impacted me. And it just everything kind of came full circle. So I would say after probably my second year of doing the high school lower level deal is when I was like, okay, this is what I want to do for for the rest of my life and so then my my whole thought process changed and and then my my mode of attack changed well and then that's put me on this journey
2: yeah I, I knew some of your story I didn't know all of that uh Mike Cranston giving you an opportunity to get started <laughs> he's one of the best from southwest Washington yeah. um what a guy with a great heart guy with a, a a lot of uh help mindset where he wants to help people out now, you are a young coach kind of learning the ropes, structuring practices, you know, making evaluations and, and cuts and different things. You have an opportunity to to interview for Union High School, a fairly new up-and-coming school in the Vancouver area. Uh, how did you prepare for a interview uh, for your first true head coaching job? How do you prepare for yeah. that, and how did you come up with a style that you played? Because I have t- seen and talked to many people that said, your teams were as hard to prepare for as anybody they've ever seen in in Southwest Washington in quite some time
0: yeah, you know that that whole process of getting the union job was very unique, and i'm you know just like you, I'm competitive and uh so at this point in my journey, I had been coaching at the high school level as an assistant for six years and was kind of settled in. you know I just finished uh, doing my master's, so I just got a full time job as a high school guidance counselor, and at that point that was you know, what was kind of paying the bills, to be honest. And so I was just content on where I was at. And then this Union High School job opens up. And I'll be very honest. I mean, I didn't think, you know, I had a shot at it. I mean It's a brand new high school in a very, you know, prestigious area of of our county. Um, I, I had heard a lot of names of coaches who were going to be pursuing that job. And so for me, it wasn't even something that was on my radar. I had a couple people ask me like, hey, are you going to apply for it? And, you know, like I just said, I'm thinking, I don't have much of a shot at that. And then I got a call from the the soon-to-be principal of Union, Brian Grimstead, and um, he reached out to me not not so much as to like you know say I want you to come, but he calls from people who I respect who said I need to reach out to you, and I was kind of like well okay that's really cool. He's like so would you be interested in the job? And I was very open with him. I just said you know I would, but what type of chance do I have? I don't think I have a lot of experience, and he just said, well, if you want it, you need to show me that you really want to get this thing. And he basically just laid it out there, like, you got to show me some fight. And so I just said, all right, it's game on, man. And just like you prepare as a player, uh, I went through this preparation. I talked to a bunch of people. I, I you know, just learned what type of questions that would be asked to me. Um, I had a lot of people call on my behalf. And I just put together a program and, I, you know, again, I took myself back to those days of being like a quote unquote GM and putting together a program and and I just put it all together. I just got into the lab and and built a program from scratch and, uh, and that was kind of the process. It was a lot of work. Um, I, I had a lot of people that advocated for me and I can't, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that, but ultimately um, that's what it did. And then I was fortunate enough to get the job and then terms of like how I was always and I don't know where this desire came from, but even growing up as a young kid, I just loved playing fast. I loved, you know, just playing up tempo. Um, it just felt free. And I just felt at that point in time, you know, no teams were pressing. You didn't see that. You didn't see a lot of teams extending their defense. You remember just as well as I did those Evergreen teams that we played back in the mid 90s right yeah. and they were unique in doing that and I just said you know what let me let's try it out so I talked to some people learned a little bit more about pressing and implemented some things that I wanted to do took some advice for some people and I just felt like you know if we're going to be at a new school with with um, younger kids let's play a way that's a little bit different from the norm and uh, I was fortunate enough to have kids that bought in and, and played hard and everything else kind of took care of itself.
2: Well, that's, uh, that's a great way to hear of how that all came about. It culminated in a state title for Union, which um, is always a tremendous honor and success, which then puts a lot of um, notoriety on a coach such as yourself at a young age. You get the opportunity to make the jump from high school to the college ranks and run your own program. A lot of times a, a high school coach might get in as an assistant. You went from head coach job high school to head coach at the college level what was that, what was the biggest adjustment for you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And again, I was very fortunate. I mean, it's not a, it's, it's a, it's a different route. It's a unique route to, to get to where I've been. You know, I get asked that question a lot about the differences between coaching high school and college. And, you know, at the end of the day, basketball is basketball when you're on the floor, or when you're scheming, uh, when you're working with young men or women, um, you're pouring into the lives of young people. So I think there's a lot of similarities. Um, I think a couple of the big differences that I've experienced in my in my short time here at George Fox. Um, you know, number one, the recruiting aspect is different, and you hear that all the time. I mean, it really drives you know your programs. Like you, you got to have kids that fit what you do and can play, and that's really really important. Um, I think the other thing that was a big adjustment for me was when you're coaching high school, you're getting kids into your program who are 14, 15 years old, and they're still very green in terms of their basketball experience. So a lot of times the things that you're teaching them as a high school coach, uh, for a lot of it, it's the first time that they're hearing a lot of those things. So they're really like wanting to take that stuff in. Um, When you get to college, you're getting kids who have experience. They played four years of high school ball, most likely. Uh, they've played a lot of club ball, so they've had different coaches. They've they've been in different schemes. Um, and so now you're trying to almost recalibrate or rechange their mindset. And that can be a little bit of a challenge. And as you you know, as you know, when you get a little bit older, uh, you feel like you have more answers and you know things. And so now you're trying to convince these young men as, you know, as to why you're doing what you're doing. Whereas at the high school level, you don't have to do a lot of convincing. You know, they're going to follow you because they believe in you and your position. And so that's been probably the, the two biggest adjustments for me, which has been good. It's really forced me to reevaluate why I do things. It keeps me very much on my toes as a coach. Uh, it keeps me wanting to get better and not being stale or content with where I'm at. And so I really appreciated, appreciated that part of being a collegiate coach.
2: I think one of the most interesting and unique aspects as a college coach, regardless of level, is how interconnected coaches are between those levels. So you're a head coach of Division Three in one of the best conferences at that level in the country, the Northwest Conference. But, but. I can imagine that your coaching network, who you talk to, bounce ideas off of, uh, is regardless of JUCO, D2, NAIA, Division yeah. For kids that might be out there listening that um, maybe don't always put their best foot forward, talk about how important it is to, regardless of the tournament, regardless of the game, to have the proper approach, because you never know who's looking. And a coach in the gym might not be recruiting that player, but they might see something for another coach that would fit their style. What have you found in regards to coaches helping each other out in those ways?
0: yeah that's a great point it's a great question and it is something that kids have to be mindful of especially in this day and age of social media when you're posting a lot of stuff i mean the reality of it is 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 the coaching network uh is very wide and it extends um through different levels uh through different conferences through different states i mean it really recruiting and it In the coaching profession, there's so much movement, you know, a coach that's at one place, all of a sudden the next year somewhere else. And so, you know, coaches rely on each other for a lot. We rely on each other for information. Uh, I think we rely on each other for sounding boards, um, you know, and in the recruiting world and, and with players, people are talking all the time. Um, And and the kids that are listening out there would be amazed at the conversations that are had from um, a coach at a different level to a coach at another level about a certain player. And so um, I think it's really, really important, um, you know, for kids who are going through the recruiting process or trying to sell themselves. And I know they're very young in this process, but it's it's really similar to being preparing for a job. You know, you don't know who's talking to who about you. Uh, you don't know what information that you're putting out or the things that you do. Who's going to see it? Um, and so I think it's really really important. And, and we had talked about this earlier, you and I. But you know, there's times when, and we've done this plenty, where we might be looking at a particular kid, and I like them. Or another coach likes them, but maybe we don't feel like they're a good fit for our style. Or I've done this before where I've seen a kid play and it's like, man, that kid is a that's a you know, he's a mid-major division one kid and nobody's talking to him. Let me reach out to some guys that I know and get get that kid on the radar. Or I've had that happen to me where you know there's a kid who's wanting to pursue division one or division two and some of those coaches are like, I don't know if he's quite ready for this level. Let me let me call Mako and let him know you know, about this kid. And so I think it's really important for young men just to, and women out there to make sure that they are um, open to any possibility uh, and and that everything that they're doing, they got to treat it like they're preparing for a job because you're putting yourself out there to get the
2: best opportunity possible. I I love those answers, you know, preparing for those opportunities just as you as a coach prepared for your next opportunity or a businessman preparing for, for a presentation. Last question before I let you go. You've made a, some comments about how other people have helped you along the way in your coaching journey. Is there one coach that you look at as, and say that he's been a big big mentor, a huge inspiration? Who might it be and what were was their message along the way to help you get to where you're at yeah you know i'm I'm
0: very fortunate um that I've had a lot of people who have poured into my life uh as- to coaching, um, you know, talking about Mike Cranston initially and to be involved with as a young coach was huge in my development. Um, to this day, I have a lot of people in the profession um, and even those who are not in the profession who are just sounding boards for me with, you know, depending on the situation that comes up, I'm going to on a just people that are in your corner that are there to support you and so that's been a big part of me I just I've had a a village of people who have supported me Um, my college coach Art Furman who I played for at Eastern Oregon um, I would say has probably been the biggest you know influence for me and it really goes back to when I was playing you know he really showed me a way um, outside of scheming and what you do on the floor how to really make an impact um, In the lives of your athletes, he was a he was a, an amazing man in that respect. And that really gave me uh, it gave me the tool set and the idea of what it takes to be impactful as a coach. And he's been great for me. I mean, in all my journeys, you know, he's the guy that I call first to get information on coach, how do I prepare for this interview, or I'll bounce ideas off of him, you know, when it comes to recruiting and stuff. So he's been um, you know, a huge mentor for me. Um, and really, I, I would say without him in my life, I, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at because I never would have even imagined doing what I'm doing if I didn't have the experience and the opportunities that I had with him.
2: Awesome. I love how you you look back and you've got coaches at different levels, high school and college that have impacted you. And, and I could look at the same thing and, and talk about people that have had a, a, a amazing amount of impact on my life and the fact that it, typically is a village, not an individual. So, well, Mako again, thanks, appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we will connect sooner rather than later. All right, Dan, appreciate it, man, stay safe.